This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you decent podcasts since 2013. And it's the voice of your choice, Ali Muhammad. And as you know, Damien is recording a season three of Comedy Knockout right now. He'll be back next week. This week, you got me. And I do have special guests. But before we move into that, I want to, you know, give a special shout out and, uh, um, and you know, send out some, some good positive energy to a fellow podcaster, Combat Jack, who is just diagnosed with colon cancer. So mm. he's on that hashtag Combat Cancer. So we're going to send out some special energy, everybody out there, you know what I'm saying? Put your energies up for uh, Combat Jack. And um, yeah, we're going to get into this conversation. How y'all feel out there? All right. So this week, we're going to do something new, something different. Um, I've never done this before. Neither have I. I've had a. <laughs> We're going to have a guest that I don't know at all. I was introduced by a good friend, suggested that she come through. She's a, good, a great conversationalist, and we're going to make it happen. It's like blind conversation here. That's right. So we have uh, Dana Vincent. Very good. And she is a writer. She wants me to say struggling writer. <laughs> But uh, as in, I struggle to write. She struggles to write, <laughs> not that she's just struggling, because she's a lawyer by trade. <laughs> but uh, she wants to move into writing. Right. So she's on the hustle and on the bubble, and she's gonna make it happen. And we're gonna find out a little bit about it. And we're gonna she's gonna find out a little bit about me, and hopefully we'll get to the heart of the conversation. The conversation. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So let us know a little bit about who you are. Well, as I was telling you earlier, um, I'm Dana. I'm from Haiti. I grew up in Brooklyn in the beautiful 90s. Ça passe. Ça passe. You have to know this if you're a Brooklynite. <laughs> or Miamiite. <laughs> Miamiite. Yo, Haitians. Yeah, Miamiite for sure. <laughs> so I'm a Haitian person living in New York. Um, I think we're all refugees, even no if we never leave home. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> obvious. Yes. Black folks were all in exile. Um, but I grew up in the beautiful 90s. And I think sometimes we have to be aware of nostalgia mm-hmm. because that keeps us looking backward. But if we're going to be nostalgic, the 90s is a nice time to be nostalgic about. Um, no doubt. My partner here in this show, D. Lemon, he likes to say that he's a sucker for nostalgic marketing. So <laughs> I wish he was here to have this nostalgic conversation. <laughs> so you say the beautiful 90s. The beautiful 90s. And for you, what made the 90s so beautiful? I mean, I think what made the 90s beautiful is black folks loved each other. Mm. <laughs> they did. Um like it was cool to be black in the 90s i don't mean like on a commercial tip but like in our skins and our bodies no doubt like black people wanted to be around other black people mm-hmm. we were eyes on the prize because of marketing reasons we can't get a touch we can't see it now because copyright reasons like right. they have all the songs but i was a baby of eyes on the prize i watched that when i was in high the documentary. school the documentary right. series 
And growing up in, you know, Eyes in the Prize to Larry Kids Clark, uh, Larry Clark Kids, mm-hmm. that which was a whole about young kids in, in New York City. Kids, the movie. Yeah. yeah that so was, that's, that was that's crazy. like that energy after Bernard Guest, the Central Park Five. So there was a lot more politics in the air. We own mm-hmm. our politics. We weren't just consumers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess nobody had nothing. So there was nothing to consume instead of French fries. Yeah. And then we were, <laughs> it was a little bit, as far as, far as media was concerned, <laughs> we were. You know, it was on the mar- on the fringes for a while, mm-hmm. but in the nineties mm-hmm. became, uh, I would say, a cultural renaissance of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying where you started to have a lot of uh, blacks on TV with mm-hmm. Martin Def mm-hmm. Comedy Jam. Mm-hmm. Like Hip hop was hitting real hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen Latifah living single. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before um, on the show. Uh, it's, it was living single. It was uh, what else was out there. Um, I didn't own a TV until five years ago. You didn't own a TV? <laughs> so, I am not You missed the, the cultural girl. renaissance of the 90s? I missed the television part of it. <laughs> you, you it. So tell us, tell us about some of that life part of it, I like, mean, what you were seeing. Like, I don't know. I, for someone who wasn't there, okay. can you describe Brooklyn? Yeah, Brooklyn was beautiful. I mean, I felt like the Brooklyn Labor Day from, not Labor Day, Memorial Day, right? I, I went to Spelman College, mm-hmm. so the beginning of the summer was Dance Africa. Right. And Dance Africa takes a weekend, downtown Brooklyn, which is now very developed. But then it was not so developed. It was so for green. And it was the for green of Nola Darling. I don't right. know if you remember Spike Lee's first little gem. No, they're making a Netflix version. <laughs> okay, I heard about that. So it was that for green was still in transition. Like folks mm-hmm. still, folks who live down there, it was still pre-gentrification. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily anti-gentrification as a model, but it definitely was not... It, it just wasn't the Brooklyn that it is now. Well, it was us at that time. It, it, was, <laughs> yes. it was a cultural movement. It was Spike Lee and Nelson George. And, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It was poetry readings, and it wasn't, everybody wasn't in the same rhythm. You can actually go out at night and see a whole bunch of black people in Fort Greene mm-hmm. and know half of the people, either from schooling, from friends of friends, Six Degrees of Separation, which Six Degrees of Separation came out at that time. Mm-hmm. I was working for a nonprofit. Um, organization. It was called Youth Forest. We were taking back the park from drug dealers. So for Green Park, that yo, that was fun. I had a great childhood in New York. I mean, it was yeah. a bunch of, it was a ragtag group of young kids <laughs> from the Bronx, from from Queens, from Brooklyn, and Ford Green, um, the projects was the project. Yeah, so all, so ri- we the original fifty yes, cent was yes. from the projects right there. <laughs> so we would bring drumming into the park, moving into the park. And sometimes we would have shootouts and we had to pack our shit and go. But it was literally like we were taking back the part from drug dealers because we were still coming out of like that that era that the wire made glamorous, but it was actually mm-hmm. very hard to live. Right. You know, I had an uncle who was a crackhead and that mm-hmm. was not a beautiful thing to see. No, it wasn't. But there was definitely that energy of like, we weren't just gonna sit here and be victims either. So this was the early days of HIV and AIDS, mm-hmm. like coming out of the gay community and sort of like being something that heterosexual young black people had to worry about. So we were doing HIV AIDS education, showing people how to put on condoms and bananas. And this was all- All, all, all this in the park. All of this, yeah, when I was in <laughs> high school. It was a hell of a park. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I mean, some of the Wyckoff housing, for example, uh-huh. like there's a lot of uh, Red Hook housing. There's a lot of federal housing um, projects, South Bronx, we did this in the South Bronx. Just housing projects throughout the city we wanted to we wanted to bring programming within the projects not mm-hmm. just have it be like sort of like forgotten cities and we did this underneath the battle of youth organizing and right. i think that's that's where i connect with let's say what connects 
Barack Obama to go into community organizing after college and, and or after law school. And you said you were in high school doing this. Yeah. And so what's one of the things that you learned from working in the park, dealing with the drug dealers and the, the crack era and all of the, you know, it was hectic back it then. It was hectic. Fort Green was hectic. It was hectic. That's the boy they came up with, Brooklyn Keeps on Taking It. Yes. <laughs> D. So what did you learn in that process? I mean, I think there's something called resilience and respect. Mm-hmm. And I think that I just, I, I just, before we're consumers, we're beings. Mm-hmm. And I think there was something glorious to me about being a young person who wanted to be versus being a young person who wanted to consume. Right. Like I wasn't thinking about, oh, can I just get this house in the Hamptons? Can I get this car? I was like, how did I want to be in the world? Mm-hmm. Like who were my idols? And all my idols were actors. There were people mm-hmm. who went by actors. I mean, people who had agency over their lives. Right. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the person who had the biggest house or the right. biggest car or had the you know the videos were not like we were watching video music box like we're going home at four o'clock and watching just sort of like people with a (laughs) camera in their basement and that was the video and that was fun (laughs) you know so it definitely taught me there's a lot about values i think i think we start having a conversation about what we value pretty young and if you if you're growing up where you're surrounded by other people who care about making a neighborhood better Mm -hmm. You just have a different set of values, I think. Right, 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 right. You know? No doubt. So you, you took you in high school. You're in Brooklyn. So I'm in high school. I'm in Brooklyn. Moving around doing positive things. Yeah. And soaking up the beautifulness of the 90s. Yeah, but the 90s was also complicated, right? I mean, you also had Bernard Getz shooting up people. <laughs> I mean, the, the 90s was kind of hectic in my world. It was beautiful. And we were having a great time. I actually, you know, saw it in my first company. Mm. Um and and we did a TV show and we were having a great time and we were traveling around going to different black schools mm-hmm. and kicking it with you know but at the same time you know it was a you know a lot of drugs mm-hmm. and things happening mm-hmm. and and you know you being from Miami it's kind of a duality that you, that's present at all times that the streets is never too far yes in that city mm-hmm. you know what I mean so it's like. <clears throat> No matter how, there's not a lot of separation right. between the classes. Right. You know what I mean? There's not uh, a wide spectrum of black classes, mm-hmm. classism mm-hmm. in that city. So it's kind of like black and white. Mm-hmm. And what about the Latinos? It's usually, well, from my experience, where the way I grew up and where I grew up in the northwest side of Miami, I mean, it was very few mm-hmm. Latinos. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You do come across. You might have some at your school and mm-hmm. here and there. But north, the northwest section of Miami was pretty much black from 38th Street to you leave to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, to you leave into Miramar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you could have a total experience without ever having to deal with, you know what I'm saying, a culture that's outside of you mm-hmm. at a certain point after white flight. Mm-hmm. So. You go from Liberty City to Carroll City and, and just deal with nothing with black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's your whole world. That's your whole existence. Mm-hmm. So um, I did come across them because I moved around. But like I said, my day-to-day, you know, it was really black, Haitian, Jamaican. Well, I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but as a high school student, I remember a friend of mine had a big brother who was living in Miami who was Haitian, mm-hmm. who also was a young black man with schizophrenia. 
Mm-hmm. And he got shot in the back by the police. Mm. But this was way long before Black Lives Mattered. Right, and right, 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 right. There was no protest around that. And then they just probably sprinkled some crack yeah. on him. <laughs> no, but it was sort of like, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter, but like mental health life matters. And just him not being able to sort of like comply because of his schizophrenia created danger for him. Right. And it was the first time we had lost somebody at this young age. We were maybe 16, 17. And that was your cousin or friend? No, that was my friend's brother. Your friend's brother. My friend's brother. A cutie pie, too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, all lives matter. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that cutie pie, Lord have mercy. But yeah, I mean, I, that was that's my recollection of Miami. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> that was, you know, I mean, that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, even in the Eyes on the Prize documentary, mm-hmm. they have a section on Miami mm, of the riots. That, but I trust that the McDuffie riots. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a section in that. Um, documentary because that's when we saw it we saw it in school mm-hmm. and the emphasis was on the McDuffie yeah, riots yeah the local stuff and it was police shot um, um, McDuffie and he was on a motorcycle I think he may have ran from him or something like that but they shot him in overtime and it was a big thing mm-hmm. and they told us you know what I'm saying they told shit up mm-hmm. and um, yeah that's that's that was what was happening mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean but yes I went off to FAMU I went off to Spelman. You went off to Spelman. Right. How was that? I, I mean, I, I remember I grew up next to Brooklyn College. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn College um, is in the heart of Flatbush, for those of you who know Brooklyn. And I told my Haitian grandmother I was going to be going to Spelman. She was like, but why can't you go to Brooklyn College? You don't even have to pay for like the bus fare. You could just like walk over there. And I don't know, as a Haitian American, I had gone to high school with a bunch of Caribbean people. Like, all mm-hmm. of my high school was from the islands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love dance, so I love everything Caribbean. But I definitely love African-American literature. Mm-hmm. And I grew up loving Langston Hughes and loving um, Zora Neale Hurston and loving Alice Walker. And I wanted to be in that world. Right, so right, right. I, like, I mean, I had scholarships to other places, but I definitely wanted to go to Spelman. And so for me, it was like this fantasy. (laughs) And I got there and, you know, there's a friend of mine that, um, Jordi Patterson, we talked about a little earlier. Mm -hmm. I was there on a school trip and I was the first person in my family to go to college in America. And I I get to Spelman campus, I'm visiting, and there's a woman in all white and she has books on her head. And And she has what? She has a bunch of books on her head. Books? Yes. On her head. On her head. Spelman's campus. And I go Like she was in Africa somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. All uh-huh. white, gorgeous woman. She has like a ton of books in her head, like walking around with the books. I'm like, so I, I stop and I start talking to her. And she's giving me that look of, please leave me alone. But I'm a young, eager person. This gorgeous woman is walking around with books. And she was pledge- she was pledging an African sorority. And oh. they had a vow of silence mm-hmm. that I forced her to break because mm-hmm. I was too eager. She's like, motherfucker, <laughs> what do you want? And she became one of my, you know, sort of best friends and good, you know, just someone who led me through school. Oh, okay. But Spelman was like that. They had... Um, they had the they had the Greek life was definitely strong and mm-hmm. I, I've learned to appreciate Greek life a lot more. A lot of my friends are Delta, AKAs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there definitely was an alternative. Right. And you were there at Spelman, and we talked about this a little bit. But from what I gather, you were there during this era when <clears throat> I would come through Atlanta and visit friends of mine mm-hmm. who were there and it was a very artsy, shea butter moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That was like the first, you know, 
we had a few African Americans that were wearing dreads. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I had dreads at spell at 16, and at spell, many people used to come up to me and be like, "Hey, so do you wash your hair?" I was hostile, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, it was like you know all these kids had 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 locks and natural you know what hair. I'm saying? They you know it was backpack hip hop and like I said, bees waxing incense. I was it was an amazing world to me. I was you mm-hmm. know I mean I I, I I didn't come from that. And I didn't. It was it what, was. Where did you come from? I came from hip hop, bebop, Luke's mm-hmm. Club, Strawberries. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Blue Ice Teas, Heinekens. Mm-hmm. You know. Trues and Vogue, Dirty South. You know what I'm saying? Rag tops, <laughs> Benzes and Jags. You know, that, that type of thing. Like mm-hmm. real street life. Mm-hmm. So to see that, it was like an amazing that these kids were creating this world. You know what I mean? And you've you seen a lot of that backpack stuff on from New York. Mm-hmm. But to see it happening in Atlanta in a way that they made it their own mm-hmm. it, with, with people who I knew. Was like man, this is, they created a whole nother way of world, being. Way of being, exactly. Yeah. And you know, Saul Williams came out of that camp, yeah. and Sean P. Yeah. And, and um, I worked a lot with Sean P. He's like my that, DP. That's he's cool. Shout out to Sean. What up, Sean? This is Dana. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean P. It really helped me out with my business now. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know him then, but you know, saying to know that he was connected to he's that thing, mm-hmm. I knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was he was about something. Mm-hmm. So being there, how what was it like? I loved it. I mean, Spelman gave me everything. And I already come from a family that gave me everything. Mm-hmm. So it just enriched me further. Like, I, I, I think that I'm really interested in sort of like having spaces for young people that mm-hmm. allows them to just be, to, 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 to think about ways of being that's not just commercial, that's not right. just about consuming. And I love my professors. I mean, the other day I, w- I was in the middle of packing, unpacking, decluttering, and I'm opening letters, like uh, recommendation letters my graduate, my my professor sent when I was applying to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to read them because <laughs> <laughs> they were just too nice, too positive. But right. I, it definitely was, it takes a village. And I worked three jobs while I was at Spelman. Let us surprise you for those of you in Atlanta. Let us surprise you. It might still be open. It was lettuce, Uh muffins, (laughs) $6.95, all you can eat. Muffins? Yes. (laughs) Soups. So it was definitely. What was the name of the place? Let us surprise you. Let us surprise you. Yeah, the lettuce part. Uh Um, Yeah, it was a soup and salad place. Okay. So I lived in College Park. I lived in Midtown for a while. I worked on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely. I've, I've. I don't know. Spelman was, I, I, I'm friends with a bunch of folks who went to other schools. Mm-hmm. And for me, Spelman gave me that, that sort of small college feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with what's happening today, it was a woman's college, historically black woman's college. So that's not, you know, an unimportant fact. No, that's a very important <laughs> fact, especially now. <laughs> so I went to a historically black woman's college, you know, Janet Nicole's. even, like... That's interesting mm-hmm. because it is a you know a historically black university and we can you know it's part is one of the elite ones and but I never actually thought about that it's a historically black woman's college. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It definitely is something. Nice. I mean, not that I didn't know that, <laughs> but just to hear it in that that form, that's an important important statement. No, it is. I mean, people have all kinds of ideas about what makes people stronger. Um, and I think Spike Lee had it when we were colored. It's like the reality is when people are young and trying to figure out, figure out who they are, mm-hmm. 
an environment of love and nurturing is just is the gift that keeps on giving. Right. And so, you know, people say, well, you know, you shouldn't go to a black college because hmm. the world is not black. You shouldn't go to a women's college because there are men. But the reality is, you know, women who go to women's college are often stronger in general in the business world and ideas and writing and assuming their place next to men. Mm-hmm. And black colleges, I, I mean, I wrote, I was a, a wannabe journalist even back then. Uh-huh. And I, one of the things that helped me go to school. yourself, <laughs> you're writing, man. I was working for something called New Youth Connections back then. New? New Youth Connections. New Youth Connections. Yeah, right. it, it, they're still out as youth communication. Mm-hmm. And every single writer right now who's a writer of color who's from the 90s has been affiliated with this organization. Because if you wanted to write in New York in the 90s, this was the place to be. Mm-hmm. But I had interviewed, I had did an article about historically black colleges. And it turns out even though Less than, uh, less than a th- less than twenty percent of Black students are at historically Black colleges, but they graduated far disproportionate number of that. Mm-hmm. So this idea that going to historically Black college is going to be a deficiency for you is just wrong. Oh, we already proved that <laughs> wrong. That's more bullshit. Yeah, you right, know. there you go. So <laughs> for for me, you know, what I'm saying being in that environment, one, you get to, you get to. Discover one, the different kinds of black people. Yeah, that exists. Mm-hmm. Other than just for me, the people in the Northwest Dade mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So now you're in there. You're somewhere in this this world, this ecosystem of blackness, trying to figure out who you are and be who you are, and you know where do you stand in this scope of blackness, right? Mm-hmm. And once you realize that, hey. I'm good in my blackness. I'm, yeah. I'm black as they come. Yeah. And I'm I'm good as the goodest blacks. Yeah. And I'm cool as the coolest blacks. Yeah. And I can I can make it out of here. I'm good. But it, I mean, it's also being around a whole bunch of black people. Like that's the other thing. Different types of black people can thrive. There's mm-hmm. not one way of being black. <laughs> so, so the thing what I discovered once I got into the world when I especially when I got to New York is that they can't tell me. Who I am. They can't say what I can't be or what I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because I know when it comes to the scope of the people that who I come from, I know where I fit. I know where I am. I know which pieces That's are lovely. good and what works with me. And I know I don't have to change that when I come around Matt. That's a right? power. That's power. <laughs> what up, Matt? <laughs> I like to think I'm, <clears throat> think I'm a pretty accepting person anyway, so. No, no <laughs> You're like, I'm hardly the test here. <laughs> so when I go meet your mother, I'm going to be cool, and she's going to be cool. And she's going to be like, you know what? That's a cool motherfucker right there. <laughs> You're like, maybe. Woo. <laughs> 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 I had no comment. <laughs> Man, I'm Jewish. I'm practically, I've played discrimination in my background. Jewish women love me. Okay. Is that not, a- not, in a, not, in, not, not in that kind of way. But what are, you, what, are you coming out of my mother? No, 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 no. I'm, what I'm saying is, in my line of work, I work with a lot of Jewish women. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In the beauty and the fashion especially. And my first big clients that were um, at Estee Lauder, I had three Jewish women that I had to work very closely with. And turns out my temperament works with the, I, I guess the stereotypical Jewish woman's <laughs> temperament from the outside looking in. I, you know, I can't say all Jewish women are the same, but 
A lot of them that I've encountered have a certain people. temperament. He's smiling. He has ruby cheeks. Yeah, they, have, they have a certain <laughs> temperament that that when I come, you and know, a big big beard. When I when I work and I do my thing, it works. We work together very well. And I was shooting. I, I have this one family that I shoot a lot of stuff with, and it's a Jewish couple. Mm-hmm. And I see how they how work they together mm-hmm. and how they roll and how mm-hmm. she does her thing with him and to him and then how he responds. I know it's how you say to him, right? I see you being a man here. <laughs> how she does her thing to him. No, it's just, I said with him and to him. Like, no, she, it's a thing. It's a certain thing. It's a wife thing. It's not It's not a woman-man thing. It's, I got a, you. it's a wife-husband thing because my wife do it to me as well. But the way he handles her is the same way that I would handle my wife. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah. He, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's a certain thing. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I usually work well with Jewish women that's All what I'm right. saying so your mother might you know what I'm saying make me a monster soup or something you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> but anyway back to black back to black um, ask me something no I mean so you went from FAMU how did you discover that this being in advertising was, was in your, your your talents advertising that didn't come into play so like I said, I had a TV show in college, which had some similar. Oh, that's must have been fun. Was it um, uh, a talk show or a, fix- a feature it was, show? It was it uh, was like a magazine style show. Mm-hmm. We interviewed entertainers when they came to town, or we went or we went to a town where you know mm-hmm. some rappers or singers mm-hmm. were at. Uh, we played videos, maybe mm-hmm. one or two videos, mm-hmm. and we visited black college events and campuses, mm-hmm. and we wowed it out. Mm-hmm. So it was a little, a lot of fun. It was a lot of wilding out, a lot of talking to the, you know, saying the other co-eds. But it was also, you know, talking to the SGA president mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what was going on. Like, mm-hmm. our first show was at Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. And and they had, you know, Tuskegee has a great homecoming. So we, we did their homecoming. And then we also talked to the SGA president who was in the middle of an uprising. Of course. Like, <laughs> administration. <laughs> I remember that uprising. So it was like a great first show. And yeah. that was kind of the template. We, mm-hmm. we Like if we go, we go fun get a little. Fun with resistance. Resistance with fun. Yeah, we get a little history. You know what I'm saying? Then we cover the scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We party. We show a little video and we interview some rapper or singer or mm-hmm. whoever. So arts and culture show, basically. Yeah. Our culture and politics show. Yeah, and it was it was a great time. So I guess we had advertising in there. Mm-hmm. But when I came to New York, I was at Vibe Magazine. Mm-hmm. Essen Vibe was hot. Is Vibe still around? Yeah, they're, they're around. Okay. They're, they're a website. Okay. Not, Online. Not, yeah. This was when, you know, it was... Whoo. People used to wait for that. That cover. Yeah, like, <laughs> first time I saw Vibe magazine, I was selling reefer. Okay. <laughs> Admission, as a lawyer, I would say you were not selling anything. <laughs> By reefer, you just mean fun stuff. That was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> party party materials. <laughs> and I went to... I went, I answered, that's when beepers, I had a beeper. I answered Not my, a Skype or a beeper. No, nah, before <laughs> Skype, I had a beeper, just a beeper. You know what I'm saying? You had to do the codes with the numbers upside down and all that. But I went to, you know, go take a package somewhere. And I was there and they were talking. You know, it was one of them same, one of these crews that, you know, was very cultured. They were like all from D.C. Mm-hmm. And... You know they were playing music and they had locks and mm-hmm. it was it was one of them era one, one of those, those one yeah, of those crews. one of those parties I might have been at yeah you you probably you would have definitely been there <laughs> and on the nightstand on the on the little coffee table they had this big ass magazine 
with Tretch with no shirt on. Mm-hmm. I remember Stretch. I remember that. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? So I picked it up and I'm looking at it. And the first thing I, I could remember thinking is that I've never seen hip hop look like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And present it in this way. Yes. Black and white picture, big Just big photography. You know what I'm saying? Just gorgeous angles. It was it was it was it Sexy. was a moment. It changed. It changed mm-hmm. what I believed was going on. Mm-hmm. And it changed my perception of how things work. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I ended up at Vibe magazine because mm-hmm. Keith Klingscales went to fan you. Mm-hmm. He was the CEO at Vibe. Nice. And and um I'm there, I'm working, I'm in the marketing department and a job in sales opens up, mm-hmm. and I get a job. I'm doing all the entertainment sales, which is music and TV and film. So those ads, and I'm selling ads. I don't know shit about selling ads, mm-hmm. but I knew how to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And people weren't they weren't willing to buy music ads at that time because mm-hmm. the music industry was kind of going down. Mm-hmm. So I made all of my money. Through solving problems, creating opportunities for artists to kind of get into our ecosystem and flourish. Give me an example. So um, I think one of my favorite examples is Young Jeezy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Young Jeezy was about to come up, and it, at Def Jam there was a marketing exec named Ashana Ayers, mm-hmm. who's she works with Mary J right now. But we were real cool, you know what I'm saying? She would always, you know, listen to, you know, my little solutions that I'm trying to give so I could get some ads money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she would always call me when they had something new. Mm-hmm. And Jeezy was something new that they had. He had he was on his mixtape. Mm-hmm. What can we do for Jeezy? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, listen to the joint. Oh, I like what he got going. So at this time, we had a, a festival that we were doing in Atlanta. Then my my big thing was Yard Fest. So we created this this college tour called Yard Fest, which the first year we did it at Howard, mm-hmm. Jay-Z performed mm-hmm. and it became a legendary thing. They actually still do it in, in mm-hmm. at Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it became a legendary thing. So we had Yard Fest and, and then we had the Vibe Award show. Mm-hmm. So I had like a, a, a whole string of things that Jeezy could do. Products, and yeah. and we ran Jeezy. At first, you know, nobody was really with it. So we kind of snuck him in. Shout out to Ludacris and Shaka Zulu because mm-hmm. on our festival, the execs didn't really want to put Jeezy on that. Mm-hmm. But Ludacris, Ludacris yeah. put him on his, on his bill and he yeah. came out with Ludacris. That's so cool. then once they saw it work, then by the time the award show came, he was big. Mm-hmm. A few months later, he was big. And so that was a great example. But then you also have examples of like Raphael Sadiq. Mm-hmm. When Raphael Sadiq came back solo after being you know, away for a while, um, he uh, he was looking for ways. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I met his manager on some crazy ass serendipity. <laughs> New York in, New York moment? No, it was actually we was in Tennessee at a hotel. Oh, that's very serendipity. At, at a at an impact music conference or mm-hmm. whatever and when they were doing Lucy Pearl. Mm-hmm. And I'm Ali Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Ali Shahi Muhammad was in Lucy Pearl. Mm. <clears throat> I'm in my I'm in the bed, I'm asleep, the loud ass hotel phone ring. And I, I and this lady's on the other line like, "Yo, you got to be downstairs." I'm like, "Who is this?" She's mm-hmm. like, "Ali you need to be downstairs. I'm like, who the fuck is this? That's funny. I don't need to be nowhere. Click. <laughs> Phone ring again. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, 
yeah, you must be calling the wrong person. Who are you looking for? She was like, Ali. I'm like, this is Ali. She was like, Ali Muhammad. I'm like, this is Ali Muhammad. Oh. What, do you need to be downstairs? I'm like, yo, this is, I'm Ali Muhammad from, oh, she was like, oh. And then we figured it out. And then we talked. And then right. it was like, cool. And then I met her when we went out to LA. I met up with them. And then he, uh, Raphael Sadiq was coming out with his solo project. Mm-hmm. So we, we figured a way. There's a lot of trickery involved. I was also doing music supervision on films. Trickery. So I was like, you know, can you make me some songs for this movie? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, what we got to do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. So he was making these songs. I didn't have no budget to pay him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, if you make the songs, then I I get you an ad in the book, and mm-hmm. then I put you on mm-hmm. this event thing that we got going. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it worked out. But it worked out. It worked out. And Raphael Sadiq did the the showcase like right when his album, it was basically his New York album release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it felt good to help push that. And then that album became a legendary mm-hmm. album. It was yeah. like, you know, so little things like that. You know, little you, moments. Little moments. You were seizing them. You were prepared. Right. It's not like you're making a career, but you're providing a little bridge. Mm-hmm. And those little bridges is what got me ads. Mm-hmm. and. Basically, I made money mm-hmm. through the ads. Mm-hmm. So that's kinda, I like the story. You were being, you were <laughs> consuming. That's my whole thing, though. My whole thing, like when you say being, way of being, my whole thing is to get to being. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, you know, a lot of times you, you come up with this thing in your mind of who you want to be mm-hmm. and how you want to be. Mm-hmm. But none of that matters until you actually are. Yeah, you know enjoying I mean? the process while you're at it. You you are one thing, and so each each stage I go to because you know it's a always constant growth. Mm-hmm. Everything is growth. Everything is retooling yourself, and you retooling, recalibrating yourself. Mm-hmm. And but the core purpose of it is okay. This is who I'm going to be, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be it mm-hmm. before I'm gonna say it. I love that. You know what I mean? And once you are it, then, you know, the Jewish ladies are really like Because <laughs> you're living your truth. Because, yeah, you're just in it. It doesn't matter. Like, when you come up on people, like, in groups, you know what I'm saying? I'm not one of those people that say race doesn't matter and people don't see race and color like that because that's a lie. Mm-hmm. But when you are in a solo situation, one-on-one with somebody, and it becomes human to human and not politics and groupness. Mm-hmm. It's your way of being that the, that they're gonna read, and a lot of times. Well, if you have compatible values. Well, uh, even if you if you're incompatible, then a motherfucker they gonna understand whether or not you know who you are and where you stand. Fair enough. And whether or not you know, what I'm saying this motherfucker might whip my ass because, <laughs> you know, or might be able to help me, or might be able to help me, or you know what, I don't have to agree with this motherfucker, but right now I respect we, him. We're gonna drink this wine and be cool. I like that. You know what I mean? Like we're drinking and, this wine right now. And that's 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 off your being because if you're wavering, motherfuckers gonna push you. Yeah, like kids and dogs. Exactly. And my daughter pushes me all the time. <laughs> How old is your daughter? Nine. Is this your only child? No, she's the baby. And she know our waivers. And she's like, yeah, I she got you, She knows our waiver. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. She's your only girl? Yeah, two boys and a girl. Okay. Yeah. She, you waver with her. I definitely waver. It's just sad. <laughs> I love it. She's going to be a strong lady. I hope so. I, I feel sorry for her lover. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be nothing but kind. <laughs> 
I doubt it. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> you have kids? I don't have any kids. All right. So let's talk about this writing. All right. You know what I mean? What's up with it? Well, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm a poet. And I, I, I feel for a very long time I wanted to be a novelist. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just recently I've been reading some Emily Dickinson. I was like, you know what? This woman was happy being a poet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a poem she writes, My Letter to This World. It's like two, it's like eight lines. Mm-hmm. And it's given us a hundred years of pleasure. And I think I say I struggle at writing because sometimes I think we don't take the pleasure in, in the moment. Like, right. it's always like, oh, am I going to sell this? Am I going to publish this? It's like, I'm at this point right now where I'm just like, no, you know what? I'm going to take pleasure in putting phrases together. And, and capturing moments. Are you doing that? I am doing that. Nice. I am doing that. And when was the last time you were really happy with something you wrote? Um, I always say you're only as good as your last poem. <laughs> so I might want to pull it up for you. Um, but it's too long. I, I think I'm happy whenever I, I'm able to say something. I think the last time I... I was very happy with something was in the fall. So last year, that's a long time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, because, you know, sometimes it takes like that. Mm-hmm. What's, what does that feel like? Like when you, when you, do you feel it when you write it or do you feel it when you read it back? Um, I think both. I think when, you know, it's, I, I was reading recently, somebody was talking about muses and, you know, we all went. The, mu- the muses to sing in our ears and, mm-hmm. you know, leave our mouths. I think the times that I, I write and I, the, the reason I say I struggle to write is because I write out of pleasure, out of passion. Mm-hmm. And I think real writers write out of discipline. That is, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the muses are not talking to you. Every day you get up and you, you do four hours. Right. So that's my struggle. But for me, I think when I sit down and I'm able to capture a moment, it just comes, mm-hmm. and then the editing comes later. Right. But you don't struggle with that. Right. It's like it's, but when that happens, it's not just about writing. It's about being. You're like fully lived in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is you want to say, whatever it is you're struggling with, and you know, I think the reality is, whether you even if you never publish not one thing, if you and I think all writers out here feel the same way. It's a moment where you get to be like this deep, honest version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's that's the struggle. Now, this is one. I'm gonna ask you this, and then I'm gonna tell you why. Please. I ask you this. Now, do you write that honestly to other people, or just to your paper? You know, it's funny because I, 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 I'm talking about Emily Dickinson, and she didn't spend any time socializing with people. All mm-hmm. her, like all her writing, like this letter to my. This, this thing that she says a letter to the world mm-hmm. um it's she took pleasure in writing letters to people and part of her poetry was in letters to people right so to i def- yeah mm-hmm. so i definitely feel like i've cultivated some deep friendships mm-hmm. from spalman from my life over the years and and those friendships have been kept alive by by vigorous communication and, and do you do you write to them like you write to yourself um at this point of my life, I would say yes, mm-hmm. because I'm very clear about right. so many things. Right. No, no doubt. <laughs> so the gap closes. Mm-hmm. Like, at this point, you are who you are. Right. And that's who you're going to be. And I'm, I only ask you that because 
I don't I'm not, I don't do a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. I used to write a lot mm-hmm. and then I you know I didn't write a lot. Mm-hmm. I always write I can always keep a journal and I mm-hmm. always write in it when I have ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it was very personal. Mm-hmm. Nobody I didn't I didn't talk to anyone mm-hmm. like I talked to myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The voices that I hear and I put in my journal, it's a whole different language than mm-hmm. what I speak. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For a long time. Mm-hmm. Um I took a a project where we were creating content for a client mm-hmm. and it was more than just video content it was just social media content that needed actual writing mm-hmm. and in that process I um I found that if I use the voice that I use to myself mm-hmm. in this work it came out a lot better and I became more confident in writing and I became more um I became better. Like you said, you you cultivate better relationships. So I extended that to my business communication. Mm-hmm. So in my emails, in my texts, or if I'm, you know, just saying happy birthday or whatever, I try to talk in the voice that I talk to myself to as That's opposed to the filtered voice that I use to the world. I mean, I think I've just been lucky in that I have people who I really respect and love who happen to also be writers. I mean, Ki'ini Salam, I'm going to give her a shout out. She's a good friend of Sean Peters. Mm-hmm. And she has two short story collections. We've been friends for a long time. And just the other day, I'm, see, I'm going through some decluttering. I'm like, wow, I used to write her long letters. We used to write each other long letters. Mm-hmm. Like, I've met her at Spelman over the years. Like, women, we're not lesbians writing each other long letters. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who assumed that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do, do men say all the time? Oh, he's cute. No homo. Um, she's brilliant. No lesbo. I started saying that to my friends. But, <laughs> but I say that in part because what's interesting is that in having really great quality friends, mm-hmm. I'll write something to them. Like, I'll just talk. I have a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm. And she'll write me back and say, that should, you should just you know, tying this up and send it off to this and this thing to get published. And so I have not been aggressively trying to get published, but I've had friends who've encouraged me. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is unlike you, like I don't talk to myself. I don't want to talk to myself. Let's mm-hmm. just be clear. But I do, there are people that I want to communicate with and that's turned into journal interest right. for me. So right. I, I, you know, I'm constantly having conversations. I mean, I'm a loner who's who's enjoying conversation with a whole lot of people around the world. No, nah, no doubt. <laughs> I, I don't think I talk to myself. I'm not that kind of person. I think I think God is talking to me, and I'm just filtering it out. To oh, the paper. you're very spiritual. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I think is happening. I mean, that's that's to me, that's the voice of God. I be hearing because mm. I be saying shit that I'm like I don't even know what that word means. Mm-hmm. And then I would look it up. I'm like, oh shit, I'm using it. Was it, right. The right, it was the right word. Boy, right. You good, boy. Right. You need to be like but this I, but in real I, life. But I think there's different writing going on. I mean, there's polemical stuff, like all mm-hmm. the opinion pieces and mm-hmm. the ideas. And I think that's that's critical in terms of like the discourse, the conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, there's also the creative writing, the writing right. that is just sort of like capturing this moment, capturing an emotion. And mm-hmm. after you've lived the hell out of that emotion. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> And I think those are two different kinds of writing. Well, like I said, I don't even know what kind of writing I be doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm no, like I said, I'm no writer. Mm-hmm. I just write in my journal. Right. And and then I write captions on my Instagram no. and shit. No, I mean, I, I appreciate people who, who are writers to their journals. I think I've become a writer in part through my friends because I've been getting that positive feedback from my friends. Right. And it's been wonderful because I love their writing. So what's the, uh, where do you see... Where do you see yourself? 
Oh my God, that's that job interview question. I'm no, 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 no. Definitely not a motherfucking job interview question. People say this to me all the time. This is real life. (laughs) This is just conversation. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think I'm in a. I'm not an optimist in today's times. Okay. I think the Trump presidency really troubles me mm-hmm. in a great way. But I also think, you know, black folks, when has it ever been easy for black people? That's what I, I, I felt like we prepared for this shit. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, when has it ever been easy? So I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I could give you a story, but I'm not well, going to do that. I, I mean, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we love stories. I tell stories all the time. You want to hear stories? Tell me stories. That mean shit. Tell me about your nine-year-old daughter. What's her name? My nine-year-old daughter's name is Molly. Molly. Molly with an A. Is is M? Is her mom's name start with an M? Yep. What's her mom's name? Molita. <laughs> and her her great grandma's name is Molly with an O. So she's Molly with a goddamn A. Because we won. No, I'm just That's talking. That's cute. Shit. So Molly is nine, and she's in the fourth grade, and. She's I came been, to America in the fourth grade. And she's been here before, and she knows things that she shouldn't know. Mm-hmm. And she does things that, you know, is not she shouldn't be doing. Right now, she's slinging slime at the, uh, in the classroom in fourth grade. So she's making it and selling it. And she just came, you know, Daddy, I want to sell slime. What I got, does that mean? I got orders. I, I, have, I don't have kids. You have slime to break this Slime is like the gooey <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, as you, in the blob? Like blob, like <laughs> green. And it's a big thing now with the kids that are making it. Oh, so she's a marketer. She's like. She, they, they're making slime. So she she's said, an entrepreneur. Exactly. So she's going to sell her slime. So <laughs> she came soon home. She might help you out. <laughs> no doubt. So she came home yesterday with. A, a sheet of names of people who ordered slime from her, and she Aww. says she has customers she need to <laughs> she needs to get the slime to, so she need to go to the store to get these ingredients. She got deliverables, but she ain't got no startup money. <laughs> that's true. Daddy fund comes in. You know what I'm saying? Actually, that's her mama fund. Her mama did it. Her mama put it together. But <clears throat> she went and slung. She slung the slime like she made twelve. She had twelve containers of slime. She sold ten. That's so cute. I have she a ain't make niece. no profit, but she ain't worried about that right now. And I ain't worried about stressing about it. I have it. a little niece, Analia. I have to give her a shout out. Just a month ago, she got on YouTube, The Magic of Kids. Mm-hmm. I looked at her YouTube channel today. She had like 8,000. I was like, how do you have 8,000 people watching one video about you unpackaging cute little things your father buys you? <laughs> exactly. She's eight. Exactly. We didn't even know about YouTube when we were eight. You were like, you had to wait till college to have a TV show. Right. I call kids today GMO kids, genetically modified organisms. <laughs> They're on the next level. <laughs> no doubt. So, you know, that's what they own. Like my she uh she draws. She's been drawing since she could hold a pencil and mm. she could hold a pencil when she was about eighteen months. It's, it's her thing. It's her nature. And, and she's been drawing women in dresses since she was about two years old. Mm. So she's a fashion person and that's what she does <laughs> and you know, hey. So she's cool. She's cool. Yeah, she's running Molly around with an A. Pushing me around and stuff like that. But you know. You know, one of the things I really love in terms of writing is I, I, I'm going through this phase right now, the Dear, dear Self letters, mm-hmm. the Dear Daughter, Dear Future Self, d- Dear Past Self. Like, what are some of the things you would want to tell your daughter in a letter for her to open in 20 years? I think about that a lot. Well, she's nine. Let's say 15 years. I think about that a lot. And, I, I you know, it's so much that you want to put down and you want to say, but... Then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm not even going to worry about that right now because in 15 years, it's going to be a different kind of world. Mm. It's going to have a lot of different challenges, a lot of different things that she's going to be faced faced with. Now, I will say <clears throat> that, you know, I, I try to, you know, pick out little things now that, you know, I'm like, you know what? I, I want her to be able to believe in herself and her, her talents and in her who she is and be centered mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. um but then at the same time you don't you don't know what kind of um you know where she's gonna bump her head at so you don't know where to shore it up i just know that i'm going to be ready and prepared to have you know that feedback and that 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 shoulder and those words to give her just as i do with my friends because I, like i said on here before i don't really deal too well with little kids mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying as far as conversation. My conversation ain't kid friendly. It's not a, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you don't I, modify. Nah, nah, nah. I, I, you got to have a little bit of heartbreaking bills to be able to deal with the conversation that I'm going to give you. Like, even some people on the podcast, they be like, well, this, I'll leave you tripping. But, you know what I'm saying? Once you experience life and you done bumped your head a little bit, mm -hmm. I'm a gym. I'm the guru. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm, I'm whoop, whoop. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm first call, you mm -hmm. know? Like, you know, it's it's. Old people call me, you know what I'm saying? Young people call me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm ready for that. And I'm prepared for that. So when she gets to that space, and mm -hmm. some kids get there before others. Like my 13-year-old, mm -hmm. my he's different. He He's in a place where you could hit him with the Willie Bobo, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And he can understand it. Mm -hmm. My teenager, you know, he's 17, you know, he understands some of it. You can hit him with some of it, but then some of it you got to pull back a lot because he don't understand all that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, with her, I don't know. I don't know when she's going to But are you that. in her world, though? I'm hearing a lot about her catching up to your world, but... No, 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 are no. Are you in her world? I'm in her world. I live in her world now. Like, <laughs> I'm when she catches up, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I kick in. I could kick in. <laughs> I live in her world right now. I'm, right. It's I'm, her world. I'm dragging her down. I'm, I'm chauffeuring her to the store, buying supplies for mm -hmm. doll houses and slime mm -hmm. and, you know. So... Right now, I'm in her world. Her mm -hmm. world, I'm just letting her thrive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And she's, she's, you know, making her clothes for her dolls. And, mm -hmm. you know, yesterday, she, she built a dollhouse over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So she went to, to the Michael's Supplies, and she bought all this shit, you know, to make this dollhouse from YouTube that mm -hmm. she saw this lady that makes dollhouses mm -hmm. and stuff. Cute. So, um, <clears throat> so... She came back, she built it on Sunday, mm -hmm. and she put it up, and then she had her dolls in there, and then she set it in my office. Mm -hmm. I don't know why she set it in my office, mm -hmm. but it's there. She she leaves to go to school. She's like, Daddy, make sure you feed my dolls and <laughs> and, and um, make sure they get up and eat. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she was like, and I'm going to know if you didn't do it, if, if they're still in the same place. So I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> So, so let's say fast forward. She's 21 years old. She's uh -huh. like, Daddy, I want to be an actress. Uh -huh. I think I'm going to have an audition with someone who's really important in this business. Mm -hmm. um, they want me to meet at a hotel. What, <laughs> what do you think I, I should do, Daddy? All right, let's go. <laughs> oh, you'd be going with her. <laughs> nice. Hey, let's go. I, you know, nice. Yeah, I'm gonna be the manager. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm ready. I'm prepared for all that shit. Got gotcha. you. All that right there. That ain't no motherfucking problem. Got gotcha. you. I, I worked in this business yeah. for a minute. But and 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 I like I said this on the show before too because it's 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 concerning to me. Not even for the guys who like Harvey Weinstein that are doing shit like that. It's just a precarious position. Because I shoot. 
I mm-hmm. shoot fashion. Mm-hmm. And and with one photographer, I shoot swimwear and lingerie fashion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were what we were the first time I went I went to uh we went to Petite St. Vincent, which is a private island by Barbados. Mm-hmm. South south west of Barbados mm-hmm. or something like that. You see, you saying St. Vincent, the island? No, Petite St. Petite Vincent. Vincent. Okay. So it's a different Okay. Different than St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. So it's a little island. It's just a small, resort. Small St. It's Vincent. It's a private resort. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're there shooting. And then Nina Agdale, who's a, she's a big model right now. She's a Sports Illustrated somewhere. Mm-hmm. She was the model. And we were shooting like three days with her. And she's like 19. Mm-hmm. And she flies from wherever the fuck she's from to this island. Mm-hmm. And... She by fucking self, no manager, no agent, no nothing. She, wow. She lands by herself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We land. We we were the crew. We we were crewed up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But she comes in. She's by herself. And I, I was just, you know what I'm saying? And then we got there. It's like no cell service. You only you can only get cell service at the, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, we was in Tulum. Mm-hmm. We were in Tulum, and it was no cell service. You can only get cell service right at the lobby of the mm-hmm. hotel, and mm-hmm. it's like. Man, would I want my daughter to just show up on some remote ass island, solo dolo, <laughs> no don't wifi. know nobody? She just, you know, what I'm saying this is just a new crew, and this is her life. This is what right. she does every day, and it's right. like, you know, not that anything is gonna happen, but what if, what it, if it, it was a Harvey a Weinstein on set? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's like, what could you do? Mm-hmm. Your phone ain't working. Mm-hmm. You out here by yourself in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. It's weird, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would want my daughter doing that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You know I think what I mean? Most reasonable people wouldn't. So it, you know, I would. You know, I, I. That's why you you have these momagers and stuff like that. But you know, it's just a, a it's a weird lifestyle in that you know you're very young. You already are commoditizing your beauty. Yeah, and that's what that's what the lead is. Mm-hmm. And you're here, you're with a group of people you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. You kind of, and you can see that moment when you're trying to figure out who's who, what's what, where it's going to come from, mm-hmm. how it's going to be. And then I'm the only, the solo black guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the six foot black guy with the video camera. Who, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, that gets all, that's always. Going to be precarious. That's always precarious. And it's always like, I call them the heroes. Mm-hmm. That's going to save the, the the young model from the black guy. <laughs> Go on. We want to hear about I don't, that. I don't understand like what I'm supposed. To, I'm gonna just jump. You know what I mean? Just, just run through the setup. <laughs> That's interesting. But I did a hero show up. Well, I get there. I start shooting. Like I said, it's lingerie or swimwear, or whatever. You start shooting, and and what the client wants, they want all of it. So you know, you start shooting before they come out on the set. So mm-hmm. they're in that road. They're getting hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. So you waiting for a certain time to get their hair and makeup, and then. You know, sometimes it's the hair person. Sometimes it's the, you know, mm-hmm. somebody. Like, when you come back there with the camera mm-hmm. and then and the model is in the robe, it's somebody that's saying, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what's going on? Why are you shooting back here? Uh, behind the scenes? This is behind the, the scenes. This is behind the scenes? Um, and, and, you know, I've learned, you know, I don't pay attention. I just keep shooting. I do what I do. I shoot. Mm-hmm. And then the process is... Okay, the main photographer, he gets ready. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He comes by. Hey, Ali, what's going on? Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, all right, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Then the client comes. 
Oh, Ali, you made it. Da, 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 da. Ooh, did you get everything? Yeah, I got it. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it, it's nothing that I have to say to the heroes, mm-hmm. but the heroes watch the interactions. And it's like, oh. Okay, he's okay. He's oh. been vouched for. By lunchtime, it's who's the black guy? Like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? What do you do? Like, what do you mean, what do I do? You see what the fuck I do? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> exactly. I'm doing it right now. So it's just, it's an odd sight and it's a, a very awkward Mm-hmm. dance mm-hmm. but i know how to do it mm-hmm. and that's where that being in that presence comes in that's why i say it like that because i came to do my thing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna do it and then it's a certain way of being mm-hmm. that i come into the room with that it's very disruptive at first mm-hmm. but then once once it all levels out like i know it will mm-hmm. once it gets to the equilibrium mm-hmm. then it's like ah everybody's good like you know he fucked me up at first, mm-hmm. but now it's all good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I like I use that being thing. I learned it. I learned it shooting um, Jane Lauder of the Estee Lauder family. Mm-hmm. She was the president of Origins, and she kind of gave us our first big cosign. Mm-hmm. And we were shooting her for the promo. And she was very nervous. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it had nothing to do with race or nothing like that. It just had to do with being. Mm-hmm. She was very nervous. She couldn't get the lines out or whatever. And, and you know, her the people that were working in the company, they were kind of nervous that, oh, shit, James. Nervous, nervous like, energy. Oh, right. Like, okay. But it's like, you know what, Jane? Everything we're asking you, you already know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't the words that I'm saying. It's the... All right, I'm going to break my whole... I'm, I'm trying to break my physicality all the way down. I, black men have to do this all the time. I you have so many black men friends who are tall, who constantly are like slouching, like this internal slouch. And it's, it's not a slouch thing. It's, it's, like, it's like you're trying to break yourself into particles, not, not like bend down and be low to her. It's you're breaking yourself up so it's only energy left. Mm-hmm. And That energy is... Now, the soothing. energy is, you know what? You fucking billionaires. You know this shit. You know this shit better than all of us. Mm-hmm. I know this shit and I don't even work here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now just say it back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And all you're giving is light. Mm-hmm. And all you're getting back is reflection. Mm-hmm. And that makes the product good. That makes everybody feel a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. And in that very moment, it's a very, you know what I'm saying, harmonious mm-hmm situation mm-hmm. now we might go in the hallway and be like this motherfucker here she see me on the street like oh shit yeah but you know how to but, get the product out but in that moment you break it down and it's like i don't know how to use that in the in the regular world i don't know how everyone could use that to make a situation I a situation everyone can use that That's even on I'm the saying. train ride i took the train up here <laughs> trust me there's energies all the time and i think i i think aggressive kindness is something to practice mm-hmm. You know, going out of your way to like say, hey, don't worry about me. I'm not here to like fuck up your space. Oh, I might be here to fuck up your space. <laughs> you make up your mind and decide. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need that too sometimes. <laughs> not necessarily on the train on my way home tonight, but yes. <laughs> no, but I think sometimes, I mean, I, but I also, I've seen it. I've worked in corporate America. And as a, you know, if you're a black woman, there's this thing where a black woman will come into a room and... The one other black person won't talk to you. Right. And so you have to go out of your way to sort of say, hey, it's okay. There can be two black people here. Mm -hmm. It's this constant sort of like 
breaking stuff into particles. Like I am not a threat to like to your life. See, those kind of people, they need something different. What do they need? I, I get, I get them something different. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I, I, I like my approach because no, no, no. You, I you, definitely work. No. I go out of my way to make black folks in corporate America feel no, like they could say hello. You to have me. your way. You have your way. <laughs> right. I make them feel like you ain't got to say a motherfucking thing to me because uh, we're gonna be here and. And I'm not gonna stress you about it. Right. I'm gonna say hello three times. I don't get no response. I but you bet. see, but that is still being aggressively kind. But guess what's gonna happen? It's the same thing as the the heroes. Because over time they will say hello. Not over time they will. Over time they're gonna see certain things. There's certain things they need to see. They need to see that it was one dude at at, at the private school my son was going to at one point in New York. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was one black guy. Never speak. We get in the elevator. Me, me and him was a mm, mm-hmm. good morning. Mm. That that's exactly the answer I'm talking about. And and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this motherfucker? And then you know what I'm saying you'll see him talking to you know what I'm saying one of the one of the um, rich parents and shit. And like, mm-hmm. like, oh shit, he could talk. Mm-hmm. Then you know this is but, I know but this it's energy. cool. I don't I don't have you don't have to say a motherfucker thing to me, and I ain't gotta say nothing to you. We gonna be cool. I, I ain't gonna give you no negative energy. I'm just not gonna give you anything. Energy. But what's happening is. Everybody else that's feeding off your energy, hey, good morning. Like, you know, you come in the lobby like, ah, you know what I'm saying? He's you like, got, well, how come I'm not part of this party? For, yeah, exactly. Now it's like, oh, shit, what, what huh? Who, huh? How, right. how, how you do that? Right. And and then it's, you know, right. you want to figure that out. Right. But I don't like that. Yeah. No. I mean, some friends of mine hold a grudge. I've moved past it. Because no. <laughs> I, think, I think this is something that capitalism, like, creates. You know, whenever people feel very competitive, they feel like everybody is like in between them and their food and their belly, mm. whether it's their kids. Like there's this energy that I think a lot of times like the, the one black person, person in the room syndrome, mm-hmm. when there's a black person number two, it's like a thing that they have to negotiate. Well, that's their problem. <laughs> that's right. I ain't worried about it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, I know you're not on social media and no I, shit like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you put any writings out in the world? What do people find your writing? I mean, I, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, right after the Haitian earthquake, I did edit a mm-hmm. book um, written by young people, um, all from Haiti. Um, just different stories um, young kids had written over the years, and I edited it. So it's out on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely worked around young people and writing my whole life. Right. But this is my the beginning of my own writing life <laughs> right. so no i am not a published author um you can't find me on amazon can't find you nowhere <laughs> but you did find on the conversation <laughs> a hidden gem you know what yeah. I'm saying? right here but that's that black family that we have right no doubt yeah Word that's up. six degrees of separation family six degrees <laughs> hey if you educated a black is one <laughs> Yo, speaking of which, I had a friend who used to say that Van Jones. Some of you may know him. This is one of the first things I learned from him. What? If you're educated in black, you know you have you're one person away from knowing that person. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very it's very simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, yeah. it, what school you went to? Oh, you know. Yeah. Man, oh Bam. yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> that's why you can't go around misbehaving. It's just, it will follow you. Yeah, that's hey. This time, <laughs> this day and age, shit. It will follow you. You, you. can't go around misbehaving 
You got to be 100 in your misbehavior. <laughs> if that's what you're going to do, that's what it, you got to leave with that. What is, what's being 100? Oh, being transparent. <laughs> you, yes, you have to. This is who I am. Got you. You know what I mean? Because they're going to find out. Yeah, but people who misbehave, they need non-transparency. That's what makes it fun for them. <laughs> I think the old version of that, I think the new ones just, just going to have to be like, you know what? Hey, this is who I am. This is who I am. Like Harvey Weinstein. Wow. He from the old school. He from a. a, a I think the old school would be offended. <laughs> <laughs> no like, doubt, but uh, I'm just saying he's from another era. Uh, he's from <laughs> predator land. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, there's always been those. You know, it's always, always been those kind of guys. Always. So you know, he ain't new. He ain't old school though, because I think old school charm. I think old school protection. Well, that's I another think. side of the game. Now, yeah, it's always gonna be. There's still charming guys, yeah. right, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> right. I ain't one of them, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> His stuff is not old. School. Well, it is old school in that way. Old school predators will be proud. Predators will be predators. You know, some predators gonna prey. Right. Predators are gonna predator. They're gonna predate. They're gonna prey. Break by whatever the fuck we supposed to say. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> They're gonna predate. I don't know if that's the word, but I like it. Yeah, but we yeah, they're gonna predate and you know, but now his predation gotta take on a whole new form. They fucked him up. Yeah, he must have made somebody. He, he did something to somebody. He did the wrong thing. For a long time. He did the wrong I mean, of course he did it for a long time, but like what I wonder what was the what was the catalyst? What, what, for me, this particular outing, why would if somebody said you know if you had to guess for a million dollars you had a shot would you have a shot at that million dollars? What happened now? If somebody said you give you know take a guess as to why now, why why would you guess? I would lose the million dollars because I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Uh, I don't know. All right, for one here. for one million, Dana. <laughs> no, I really don't know. I mean, I was a history major, so like a lot of times, it's like a favorite word that I love from history is this notion called watershed. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I mean, when the levees break, something happens, but it's like that dime, and then boom, all of a sudden, the power of Rome fell. Like I don't know what 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 that catalyst was. Yeah. I really would love to know. Somebody knows. (laughs) Because 30 years, this person sort of like preyed on young women around town. That's a long career. I mean, Bill Cosby (laughs) had a long run too. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I I guess it might just be in today's today's day, anyone anyone has a microphone. Anyone can get, put things out there. And then just get enough people out there and with a, President, president, is everyone's hyper vigilant right now. So, but this came with one piece. The New York Times, the New and York followed Times by the New Yorker, piece, the New Yorker piece. So it came with this piece, and somebody ordered the piece. Somebody said, "You know what? I'm gonna do this piece on Harvey Weinstein." Well, it could just be. I mean, it could just be that someone had kept hearing things. Everybody, from his, yeah, kept hearing everyone. Things. I mean, everyone knew that Harvey Weinstein was a scumbag. Mm-hmm. That was never in doubt. So eventually, mm-hmm. someone's like, "You know what? Why am I? Why don't I write about this?" It's just the. There's no necessarily one thing. It was just, okay, I've heard enough. It's time to actually write this. Well, how do we go from last year around this time? This was, we didn't know the name of one Harvey Weinstein victim to now we know like nearly 50. Well, I mean, once one, <laughs> once one, once it drops, then, you know what I'm saying? Then everybody it's, comes then out. It's, then everybody, that's the same thing happened with Cosby. You didn't know. Mm-hmm. You, she was fucking Jello pudding pops mm-hmm. until it was 75, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> Accusations. Scary. It's pretty scary. And, you know, now in the different industries, you know, 
the cultural leaders and the thought leaders in those industries are asking, you know, who's the Harvey Weinstein of our industry mm-hmm. so we can be get ahead of this and mm-hmm. be responsible mm-hmm. and I would say reactionary because mm-hmm. why you didn't do that shit last year, mm-hmm. year before. But we could be reactionary to what's going on and and proper with the times mm-hmm. and on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be you know it's gonna be interesting. Well, and that's also assuming that Harvey Weinstein is the only Harvey Weinstein of Hollywood. I'm assuming oh, there's probably no, others. No, no one assumes that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, no one assumes very, that. It's, it's a very sliding scale of Harvey Weinstein's of very different flavors i'm sure everybody's getting right with their people like listen hey 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 yeah i mean i just i'm always troubled i mean it's always the troubling cases right like you know it's like we grew up in this sort of like sex positive like feminism like or even transactional sex like the reality is harvey could have had sex with anybody he wanted to have sex with at any time really yeah did you ever see him no, no, that's transaction though. Oh, transaction. Like, yeah. but a straight up, pure, honest transaction. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason, and we were both, we were both part here, having have had reasons fulfilled. Right. And so, same thing with Bill Cosby. So, these people who can actually afford anything in the world, they can afford sex. They can mm-hmm. afford lots of sex. Mm-hmm. They choose to take it in the most humiliating way possible. And to me, it's like. There's something about that that I can't get over. That that it really does come back to sex is not about sex. Let me ask you something. So with Harvey, you saying you saying he could have bought sex any given day of the week. He could still buy sex right now and had his little sex. I guess he felt like he was buying it by. uh, But that's not no. This is called manipulation. Like whenever you have somebody's time under false pretenses, like if I'm here to audition for a role, I'm not buying sex. You're not buying. I'm not selling sex. I may be selling my sex appeal. But I'm not selling sex. There are people that are selling sex. No, no, he's he's not saying you're <laughs> selling sex, but I have a transaction here. I have, you know, this career for you. If no, they all have a career for you, right? I mean, this is sort of like the the power imbalance and dynamics. I mean, I I you know, I I I feel like the the metaphor that explains so much to me is something from my grandmother, which is if you go visit a black man and the man is blind and he has $100 on the table. Mhm. The person with character doesn't walk out with $100 just because the man is blind. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, there are always going to be young, vulnerable women who want to get ahead. And boys. And boys. And that's the truth be told. A lot of boys. I'm sure it's probably more boy <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's than... Yeah. And, and it's also the double thing about men can't talk and men don't have that. Just, you know, it's actually even, in some way, probably more burdensome to be a, a, a young, pretty boy. But the reality is there are people, character does matter. Character right. matters. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, it's just troubling to me. Like the, there's, I think out of all the stories I heard, the story that kind of stuck with me the most that I felt it brought up a lot of women are saying me too for a reason mm-hmm. was a, a reporter who, she said, I'm, I didn't need anything from this dude. I didn't need anything from him. I was out on the town with my friends. He came next to me. We started talking. He was charming. I was like, oh, my God, here I am, a young reporter talking to Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. And the next minute, he's saying, hey, let me give you a tour of my restaurant. Mm -hmm. She's thinking, oh, this is a restaurant. I'm going to go see a working Manhattan kitchen. There's not a rat in the place (laughs) when she goes to. And somehow, this motherfucker is, like, masturbating (laughs) against her will. And he says... He says, he doesn't try to, like, when she's not really going to go for whatever he had in mind, he says, just stand there. 
And that's like, you know, if you go back to Ralph Ellison's sort of Invisible Man thing, like this is like this essence of non-being. Mm-hmm. I don't even need you to participate in, 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 in my BS that's going to affect you profoundly. I'm going to disrespect you because I've, I've, I've determined you're not someone worthy of respect because I don't respect anyone. Right. And I, I feel like if you show me a, a misogynist person, then you probably find a racist. So I'm not buying Harvey Weinstein and his like hug of Barack Obama. I'm not buying that. This person doesn't respect human beings. Because right. <laughs> everything everybody can be bought. He he doesn't respect human beings. Like this woman doesn't need anything from you. Forget right. the starlets that actually needed a role. This is right. this woman you meet in a restaurant. And I'm thinking, I was just out the other night. I can't imagine some guy chatting me up at the bar saying I own this restaurant. Do you want me to take you for a tour? The next thing I know, I'm locked in some basement and he's whipping out his penis so he can like pleasure himself. Like that's just a profound not disrespect of me, but of humanity. Right. And, you, and you're not on social media, so yeah. from what I understand, that happens in your in, in the DMs of a woman's you know oh, inbox. Uh, Anthony Weiner, anyone? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was Anthony that about? Weiner. Like you're married to this beautiful woman who's going places. You go on the New York Times doing your Mia Koopa, and somehow the New York Post can sting you. I mean, and it's like Anthony Weiner, Harvey Weinstein, this whole like, and you men, you tell me. I mean, I think Howard Stern said it best. No woman wants to see a man's penis. What is but this? some of them do, I guess. <laughs> now, as a man, I I as know. a man, if she haven't asked you for it, if consent hasn't been, <laughs> hey, but, send me a picture of your penis. Don't do it. But no doubt. But it's seen. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't. Don't do know, it. I, don't I, do it. Don't I, don't look up old friends from college. But hey, what's no. up? don't do it it's it's ridiculous like women we we don't operate i mean they're outliers and Mm -hmm. i am just one woman so i speak for no one Mm -hmm. but as a general rule i don't think we operate the way men operate so whatever you want as a man Mm -hmm. don't think that i want it like think carefully like you want to receive naked pictures of women i don't need to ever receive naked pictures of a dude to be happy i just don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I will find it very bizarre if I will find it very bizarre if um, someone who I don't know, I haven't sort of sought that out from him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Anthony Weiner, what did he get out of that? Besides his 21 months, I don't know how long I, of, of, of like, I mean, he's like now a convicted sex crime right, person. But didn't he, didn't he carry on a relationship with that person after or during? After, I, I don't think there was any face-to-face meeting. All oh. of this was via social media. Just compulsion for him to share, like, his Carlos, his wiener, Carlos Danger. I mean, come on. There's something completely... I mean, there's, we keep using the word narcissistic a lot mm-hmm. in this society, but there's something... Sociopathic? I don't, I don't, I'm not a therapist. I don't know enough to say that, but I am touched by the profound lack of respect in these right. interactions. And I think where, the, where there's abuse, mm-hmm. it starts with disrespect. And for me, that is sort of like the, the root of all kinds of unequilibrium relationships, whether right. it's racism, misogyny, like it's all the same. It's just like I am. You are not as good as I am, because I said so. Mm. But how do you whip out your penis to a strange woman you've never met and somehow think that would at all be something that she wants? And also to know you could do that without any consequences, and there were none. This right. happened ten, so, fifteen, twenty so years. So for him, the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. I whip it out a hundred times, and, and they, they like they, they, they roll with it. Ninety eight. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean I, I feel like I, a, a sense of, like if I had a little girl, there's, 
It's a complicated. Why are we bringing up little girls. No, just no, because you have a little girl. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, but you. Also... No, I don't want to talk about that. No, <laughs> no my bad. My no, bad. No, no, go ahead. I do. I do. I do. My I do. bad. Just... My bad. No, I'm just playing. Just I do. I do. Go. <laughs> but it's something that I'm. I mean, I, I question. Like, wait, these very wealthy and successful people stay silent for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And on some level, it's like they let this predator prey. Right. And so, like, it's like we're all complicit in this. Right. Like, it's I'm, I'm, a weird, it's, it's, it's yucky crazy. feeling. I feel dirty just thinking about it. I don't, like, again, like, I've been out of the game for a minute. But it was this time in the crack era mm-hmm. when the money was flowing, everything was and rolling. So was the misery. The misery was flowing. <laughs> But it was it was just this time where you saw the effect of money. It was the first time I saw the effect of money, mm. and and being young and watching you know older relatives and older you know what I'm saying getting money, and you see people who tell you every day one thing about you know what I'm saying don't blah, 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 blah. and then you roll up to the light in the bins of the you know what I'm saying the older one, and then you see this teacher from your school pull up thinking it's them. Mm. And they're like, hey, and then it's you. And it's like, what, what, what you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, hey, where's Silk? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why you want to know about Silk? Because <laughs> I want to know about Silk. That's why. Why do you want to <laughs> know about? Why do you want to know about Silk? <laughs> and it just, it's in my mind. It was like, yo, this is the craziest. Like it's the craziest thing out. And it's you know, I had like, I had friends who you know, who who parents may look at me and and judge because, you know, I came from a, that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And they'll judge you. You know what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. like, you know, stay away. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. I ain't that one right there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm 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 doing good. I've got good grades. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I do, mm-hmm. I, I'm doing my school thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then to turn around and see those same parents copping, you know what I'm saying, from my people. And it's like, Wait a minute. How you, that's the dope man right there. What is she doing? Mm-hmm. And that's then, interesting. And and they they see you and they wondering if you they if you know what they're doing. And of course, I know what you're doing. Mm. I know what you're doing. I, that motherfucker right there ain't got no friends. Mm-hmm. He only got, you know what I'm saying, clients. Mm-hmm. So if he here and you here. Yeah. You know what it's what a saying? transaction happening. But I also know the rules. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Having this house stays in this house. Everybody been the same. Nobody business. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So hey, that's what you do. I get it. Mm-hmm. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And then you see them later, and they they looking at you like, is he gonna bust me out? Mm-hmm. Nah, I ain't got no real. I don't got no reason to bust you out, man. Mm-hmm. That's what you you got to live with you. Mm-hmm. But then that's when I saw that that whole concept of, of knowing and not knowing, knowing not knowing, but a person that. That is judging and casting this this judgment. Mm-hmm. The hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of life. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. Mm-hmm. The hypocrisy of life. So we have all of these rules and we have all of these these things that people say, but then you have all of these things that people do, and and the way that people actually are being mm-hmm. is a lot different than what a lot of people are saying, mm-hmm. and for the people. That are, are keeping it straight and narrow, you know what I'm saying? The people that that, that flip flop on it fucks it up for everybody. No, I mean I definitely, you know, we're complicated beings, you know. And if you're gonna be complicated about what your favorite color is, mm-hmm. 
even if you're a fake vegetarian like myself, I eat eggs. Don't tell nobody, but people do know. Word, word. <laughs> well, you know, D, my my partner here, D Lemon, he was vegan for a couple of weeks, but couple of weeks. we went to Philly and we had them cheese. Steaks. And he was over it, right? <laughs> so, I mean, my thing is, if your hypocrisy is sort of your struggle with yourself, right. that's one thing. Like who you aspire to be versus who you are. Right. There's always going to be a gap unless you're right. like you're that person. Unless right. I don't even think the Buddha has reached that. Like, right. I think that's a sweet gap of growth. Right. This is who I want to be. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I want to be. This is who I am. The right. blank page, I want to be a writer. Let's fill it up. Like, that's like right. a struggle that we do all the time. Right. But I guess for me, we use big words to really get away from something that I think is a simple principle, which is respect. Mm -hmm. And like the Cosby situation, the Wiener situation the Hawaiian situation, these people don't respect other human beings. Right. Like there's a profound dis like lack of humanity in their presence. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how many causes. Doesn't I mean I went to Spalman. There's a there was a building. I don't yeah, even they, I, they gave a lot of money. Twenty million dollars yeah. for Cosby building. I don't know. They like what the fuck? No, it's a it's a cognitive di dissonance, you know? Mm -hmm. But I just I just believe in that. I think the 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 root of abuse is disrespect. It's a it's the root of abuse and personal relationships is the root of abuse and political relationships mm -hmm. like three-fifths of a person that means you're that i don't mean, respect yeah, you as yeah, a human shit. being <laughs> you beneath me yeah my dog yeah you. and so like to me this is like on the disrespect equilibrium it's a it's a i don't know it's it, it's on the same wavelength for me and no there's doubt. something profoundly disrespectful about this human being. And it's not even about, I, like all his friends, the, like as a man, I'm concerned about all the men who say, I didn't know Harvey Weinstein was doing A, B, C, and D. Like you, you're a grown man. You right. have a read on all your male friends. And, and But, you know, it's interesting <laughs> because you, you do, you say that and you, you might know a guy that's tripping, that, that, that likes to trip. Mm -hmm. And it's where... I think now with, with what we have going on here with, with the revolution of um, communication and, mm -hmm. and, and hearing the stories and seeing both sides of the game. Because before things happen, you might, you might know your homeboy, you hear his side, that's it. Social media and the, you know, the hashtags, you get to read the opinions and viewpoints of thousands of people at one time mm -hmm. and get a, a more rounded response at a certain point, mm -hmm. and then it starts to turn kind of like the same voice, then it's that voice. A lot of that that type of communication is new. And that type of understanding and, and, and recollection is new. So it's like, say in college or something, you got a dude who, you, you know, a homie that's tripping. You know what I'm saying? He just running through them like, ha ha, I got mad chicks everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. doing, having my way. And... It's a totally difference between a hoe and a and a, and a rapist. No, well, go no, ahead. I don't know no rapist, so I can't even go to that level. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> uh, you know, but, what people do with, in, under consent is right. totally different from what people do under coercion. Right, but so you you might say, you know, what I'm saying, you hear things about that dude. Maybe he maybe he he beat women. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying you don't. That's you, real. you ain't never seen it, but maybe he beat women mm -hmm. or whatever. And it's like, where do you? What do you What's your do? Like, what is your responsibility? Yeah. Like, before it was like, you know, I don't know. No, you know what I'm saying? Enough. Now it's kind of like a situation where you have to reconcile that thought. Like, I, it was this one time, Scaramonic, and we're going to 
We're going to wrap it up in a few. Okay. But Monique, I'm not going to say her last name, but <laughs> she went to elementary school with me mm-hmm. and junior high. And junior, I know her from all the way up. And, you know, her mother was a teacher mm-hmm. at our school. And we, we were probably like in 12th grade, and, and um, she was dating some, you know, she was in the streets. Mm-hmm. And she, her boyfriend was a big-time drug dealer, and she was real cool with my cousin. And we were at a club, and this guy was beating the brakes off of her in the parking lot. And it's somebody I know. You know what I'm saying? This is somebody like, and it was sad. Like, the whole parking lot was sad. But it was like, what do you do? What did you do? I mean, you, you couldn't do I mean, this, it's difficult. This is this motherfucker's a known killer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you watch, and it's like, damn, oh, You shit. feel ugly. And you kind of just slink away. But, you feel complicit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're complicit, in, but what is, what is what is the responsibility there? I, I For me, I think that's a much more interesting conversation than than another adjective being thrown at Harvey Weinstein. As far as I'm concerned, right. forget that dude. Right. He's done. But there's an entire community that was complicit in that. What's our responsibility? It was a whole parking lot of people. <laughs> like, I feel like, and that's the kind, and even me, even like, I, even if I was a woman on that couch waiting for my future in his hands, mm-hmm. if he attacked me and I walked away and I said nothing, I took money. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, there's a conversation everyone needs to be having. And I think the quicker we, we just, the less harder is named no more. <laughs> <laughs> like this utter his name no more let's go back to like wait what is our commu- what is our responsibility to each other and to ourselves and to the person that's coming behind us like do I send somebody to a meeting with that dude after he attacked me I don't think he's gonna be having too many meetings well <laughs> but that's the same thing with um with, with Cosby right it's it's we can feel good about ourselves collectively when these lines are in winter Mm-hmm. Like they're not at the apex of their career. Like Bill Cosby was not on on NBC when no. these allegations came out. He was old. Dude. You know, this wasn't Shakespeare in Love. You right. know, <laughs> like he attacked Gwyneth Paltrow during Shakespeare in Love, and you know what? She went on to have an amazing career. Mm. And so it's just like you know we're attacking these lions when they're a little bit in winter, and that's cool. But a whole new crop of women are getting these lions, or they're they're and not <laughs> and. Fair enough. A whole crop of in Hollywood. It's a trip. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, you know, but it's not just Hollywood. I think it's in. I mean, I'm just saying in Hollywood, it's a trip. Because I, I mean, I feel like working in an industry where what you look like doesn't matter. As as a lawyer, you, who cares what I look like? But it does matter. Right. You know. So it's happening. This level of like, who can you respect, not respect? It's a question of respect. And some people are feeling like respect is something they're gonna dole out, like some divine shit when. Really, you know, this is quote most deaf. You know, you're valuable because you are. I guess that's that's our theme of the night. <laughs> Be <laughs> because you are. That's right. And y'all can catch me at Mr. Muhammad on Instagram. All right, Mr. Muhammad. Thorough TV at uh, at Thorough TV on Snapchat. We'll be back next week. D Lemon will be in the house. Hello, D Lemon. (laughs) (laughs) I am meet you, but hello. (laughs) Dana, you know what I'm saying? Any last shout outs, (laughs) parting words? Shout out to all my peoples from Spelman College, Morehouse, the AUC, to all my loves. You know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So, to the 90s. To the 90s. And we out. Tell a friend, tell a friend, and even the enemy to get in the conversation. 
of it all is to be in the conversation. Conversation.